RadioInfluence.com. We'll delve into our educational system's dire straits and examine what went right and very wrong in the recent midterm elections with political science professor Nicholas Giordano on this episode of United Patriots Uprising with Gary Benford. I'm your host, Gary Benford. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is available at RadioInfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope you'll subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review, and be sure to tell your friends about the show. Things really were on the downslope in our nation when Professor Giordano appeared as a guest on this podcast back in September of 2021. Now they're even worse. Ugh. What can, or better yet, what must we do to change course? Let's get into it. Every time I see him on TV, like recently on the Dr. Phil show, or check out his writings and publications including Campus Reform, Fox News, and the Epic Times, or listen to his stellar PAS Report podcast, I want to jump into my car, hop on the Long Island Expressway, and go east for an hour to attend his poli-sci class at Suffolk County Community College. Well, I'm blessed to be able to do the next best thing. With two decades of teaching experience and over a decade of experience in the emergency management homeland security arena, he's regularly called on to speak about issues related to government, politics, and international relations. I'm hopeful he'll be able to talk some of us off the proverbial ledge, although it seemingly is becoming a more difficult task each time we talk. I welcome back to the broadcast, Professor Nicholas Giordano. Thanks, How are you, Gary. Professor Nick? Thanks, Gary. Thank you for having me. Pleasure to be on. Uh, thanks for coming on again. Well, let's start here. We've met twice recently, talked with each other at events featuring Monica Crowley and then Kellyanne Conway. As you probably were aware, my level of annoyance politically escalated from the first gathering to the second. And right now, I'm politically ticked off. So how are you holding up and what the heck happened in the midterm elections? Well, it's like 50-50 with me, right? So everything that's happening is great because it gives me something to talk about in my classroom. There's never a shortage of topics. There's always things to analyze. And so from the Korea perspective of teaching political science, this is awesome, everything that's going on. From an American perspective, it's disastrous. It's a calamity. Our country is going down the tubes. And that is far more concerning when we're looking at it, seeing everything that's going on, and then we were supposed to get a red wave that never turned into a red wave. It was like a red trickle. We did win <laughs> back the House. There was some bright spots that did take place. But the reality is that the Republicans failed in the 2022 midterm elections. In politics, elections matter. Republicans fell far short. And what is extraordinarily concerning is looking at the numbers, right? So I compare it to 2010 midterm elections. In 2010, it was President Obama was in charge. The country was going through an economic recession because the housing market crashed. The Obama administration spent $888 billion. And then you had the Affordable Health Care Act, also known as Obamacare, getting jammed through. And what was the result in the election? Well, Republicans gained 63 House seats, 
Republicans gained six Senate seats. They gained six gubernatorial seats. They gained 20 state legislative majorities, and they changed 680 state legislative seats. Compare that to what we just saw in the midterm elections two weeks ago, and it's a disaster. There's no other way to explain it. And there are reasons that it happened. So we could talk about that when you want to get into that. Let's go, because uh, that's why you're here. You see, you get to dissect this stuff for a living. This is a hobby for me. For you, <laughs> it's a living. So go for it. Well, the, the first thing is the failed leadership of the Republican Party. And they are an abysmal failure. They talk about, well, you had Senator McConnell, the major, the minority leader, talk about not having good candidates. And I'm sitting there, I'm looking at John Fetterman and saying, are you kidding me? <laughs> you know, is he a real good candidate? Are you saying that we need to put up someone that can't put together two coherent sentences? I mean, Dr. Oz may not have been the most uh, politically savvy candidate that existed. He may not have been able to connect with the voters. But if we're talking about qualifications and competency, I prefer to have the man who's a well-respected heart surgeon in the United States. I prefer to have a man that has contributed to society, someone that understands what's going on with the economy and healthcare, as opposed to someone that has mooched off his parents as someone that can't put together two sentences, someone that never held a real job in their life and has questionable financial transactions like buying a home for a dollar from his sister. Well, hold so, on before you go any further, since you jumped on him, uh, who my previous guest, uh, A.J. Rice, called uh, uh, Uncle Fester, among other things. But uh, let's get to the other prize candidate that the Democrats ran, uh, Robert Beto O'Rourke. Yeah, another loser. I wonder if he ate dirt after this election. I mean, <laughs> it's truly stunning. Every two and four years, we hear about Beto O'Rourke attempting to run for office and has higher ambitions, and he constantly fails. And again, I mean, it was predictable in Texas. You know, the Democrats' dream of turning Texas red, it's a long way off. It may occur sooner or later, but it's going to be a while before they get there. And the fact is, Governor Abbott is very popular in Texas. Bit O'Rourke didn't have a chance. He's another incompetent fool. Uh, he, he doesn't deserve higher office, given his antics and whatnot. But it shows you, you know, these are what Republican major, uh, minority leader McConnell was saying was we didn't have quality candidates. But you look at the other side. Well, they weren't quality candidates. I mean, you look at Hobbs over in Arizona. Mm -hmm. You look at our governor, Governor Hochul. I mean, she wasn't a good candidate. But they still won. So I think the leadership uh, failed abysmally because they didn't connect with the voters, right? They, they didn't really have a message. They were good at identifying problems. The Republican Party did very well identifying what the problems are. But everyone knows what the problems are. Every time you're filling up your gas tank, you know what the problem is. Every time you go to buy food, you know what the problem is. The American people want solutions. And, and something that is far more concerning is the independent vote. So midterm elections. The independent vote goes to the minority party, usually by double digits. In this election, Democrats won the independent vote by two points, 49 to 47. That's a disaster that Republicans need to figure out. How can't they win over independence in this environment where you have 75% of American people that are dissatisfied with the direction of the country? You have 40% of the American people dissatisfied with Joe Biden, 65%, which includes Democrats that don't want Joe Biden running for uh, president again. How can you not capitalize that and win over the independents? And again, it goes down to the messaging. 
Republicans failed to deliver a message of how they're going to solve the problem. And so if we look at the numbers, it's not that independents necessarily supported Democrats. It's a lot of independents ended up staying home and they didn't get out to the polls. And Republicans do a very bad job of getting people. The Democrats have a machine, right? Right. So if you look at all the states that Democrats do well in, it's a well-oiled machine that they have, particularly in the urban areas. Republicans don't have that machine. They don't have a get-out-the-vote machine. Instead, what Republicans have a habit of doing, most Republicans, not all, but most of them, they tend to go to their bases only because they're going with the old-school logic that the base is what wins midterm elections. What Republicans fail to realize is conservatives and Republicans are mad. They're going to the polls. Stop wasting time on them and get to the independents. Win them over. And they didn't do that. So that was a big mistake. Republicans also didn't capitalize on things like mail-in voting. Listen, I hate mail-in voting. I warned about it in September of 2020 before the presidential election. I said it's a disaster. It's not secure. I said there's going to be a massive amount of problems. It's going to create chaos in the system. However, mail-in voting is here, and I hear Republicans constantly complaining about it. This is election fraud. That's why it's you got to get rid of the mail-in ballots. Well, in order to get rid of mail-in balloting, you got to win elections, right? I mean, that's what you right. have to do. You're not right. getting rid of it if you don't win elections. So why not use mail-in balloting to our advantage? When the Democrats, what they do is they send mail-in ballots to every single registered Democrat in the states. And, and what do they do? They constantly call their constituents that received those ballots, reminding them, don't forget to turn in your ballot. Don't forget to get your family members to turn in your ballot. They'll call them once, twice, three times a week until that ballot is turned in. That gives Democrats an enormous advantage, right? Because Democrats are smart enough to know that if a mail-in ballot is sent out, the longer it sits there, the more likely that person's going to forget about it and not mail right. it back in. Right. So they're constantly reminding their constituency to get the mail-in ballots in. What do Republicans do? Republicans say, well, wait till election day. Don't don't use the mail-in ballot because it's a fraudulent system. Wait till election day. And then what happens when election day comes and you have Republicans that come up with 10 excuses why they're too busy to go vote in the uh, go vote? And that's the problem. Republicans don't capitalize on the tools that Democrats created and use their own game against them. And I think that it's something that cripples Republicans by not embracing mail-in voting for now. Again, you're not changing the system until you get into power. You are not going to get into power until you use the tools that are available to you. I hear you. Now, I have three Questions I want to ask you, Professor Giordano, in regard to what you just said, because uh, the guests that I've had on this show have covered a wide variety of the spectrum of what we need to do to keep this Constitution and this country from going communist. OK, number one, do we have a split party? It used to be Republicans and Democrats. And we remember what happened to the Democrats when they had the Bernie bros and Bernie Sanders was running around with his communist self doing his craziness. And they stole, may have stolen uh, what he won from in the primaries from Hillary Clinton. And it hurt the party because it kind of you had the Bernie Sanders radical wing and then you had the other people and it may have done them some damage. Is it fair 
And is it true that you have the GOP establishment and you have MAGA and they do not work in conjunction? We now know that McConnell and a lot of money from the GOP machine, the establishment, which includes rhinos, did not go towards Trump type MAGA candidates. Did that matter? Like when we're hearing where money was taken from, uh, like uh, Masters got no money and it went in New Hampshire or this went there. In other words, was the party split? Are we now a country of a uniparty versus MAGA? I, I do think that the Republican Party is fractured to a certain degree of establishment versus MAGA. However, we do have to remember that there still is a lot of overlapping agreement between the establishment and MAGA, right? Um, the establishment doesn't fight nearly as hard as limited government as we'd like. Mm -hmm. But the reality is there is some overlap there where the establishment fails. Let's face it, the Republican Party, for all the talk that Trump controls the Republican Party, that it's his party. The reality is the establishment still controls the Republican Party. There, there's no denying that. Mm -hmm. If you look at the national GOP, the state GOPs down to the local GOPs, with the exception of some independent groups that started their own because they were sick of establishment. Uh, the reality is it's the establishment that controls the party and it's the establishment that failed. Right. I mean, the establishment GOP, if they wanted to make inroads, how come they haven't invested capital into inner cities, into the urban areas? I mean, let's face it. Those are the voters. If you could grab and start peeling off the urban center mm -hmm. voters, you win elections. It's not that hard to figure out. And, and it's a very easy message. Now, there's a lot of distrust in these urban centers towards Republicans because Republicans surrendered these areas for, to Democrats for decades. But the but if we go into these areas and we say, you know, is your economy better or worse today? Is crime better or worse? Do you feel safer or, or do you feel uh, more scared that you're going to be a victim of violent crime? We know all the answers to that. And this is in their communities. When we look at the education system and the failures in the education system, the education system has collapsed. Why haven't Republicans taken advantage of this issue? Because it, it's 10 times worse for the inner city kids who had schools shut down for two years. And that was done solely at the hands of Democrats, uh, as well as the teachers union. So Republican establishment needs to start making investments in these inner cities, but they haven't they haven't done so. And their excuse is, well, money is limited, right, that that we don't have endless amounts of money. So we have to pick and choose areas that are purple. We can't go into deep blue. If you look at the Senate excuse. Well, we had to pump uh, uh, tons of money into J.D. Vance, and that's why we couldn't fund Baldock in uh, mm. New Hampshire. That's why we couldn't fund Masters. Well, why? I mean, the reality is I was looking at the numbers for J.D. Vance throughout this election. I never felt the seat was really in danger. And if you look, I mean, I said that J.D. Vance was going to win by at least five points in this election cycle. What did he end up winning by? Six, seven, I think, or something like that. Almost uh, double digits, yeah. Correct. And and I was looking at Governor DeWine's poll numbers and seeing what he was going to win by. Certainly, that would translate to a certain degree uh, towards J.D. Vance. I've been looking at Ohio and how it's been trending over the last few years. Mm -hmm. And something, you know, we all talk about Florida from the midterm elections. Nobody talks about how Ohio, which uh, pretty much mirrored what Florida did, right? It, it went significantly for Republicans. 
And so we wasted all this money because the quote unquote political experts thought J.D. Vance was in danger. Well, what if we took some of that money and we were able to put it in Masters race or, or put it in some of the closer Senate races? Maybe we could have gotten over the uh, finish line, you know, and, and it, unfortunately, the Republicans, they don't know. They're right on the issues. There's no disputing that, in my opinion. But. Getting the message out there and the way they campaign, they do an absolutely terrible job. Why? Because it's they're not on top rocket of. science. You could do it. I could do it. Herschel Walker can do it. He's because, a football player. I mean, what, why? <laughs> because too, too many Republicans are squishy, right? So take the abortion issue. This is something I did not think abortion was going to play this role in this election. I'll be honest. Right. So over the summer, when the when the Dobbs decision came down, I said that it was going to hurt the Republican red wave. I said it was going to blunt it. But then starting in September, nobody was really talking about abortion mm -hmm. and abortion was ranking like seventh and eighth on the list in September and October. So I said, maybe it's not going to have an effect. Right. Except because in our state. But even then, I mean, it doesn't make sense in our state. Abortion's codified into the Constitution. No governor can change that unless we hold the Constitutional Convention. So it's illogical to even say, well, to worry about abortion here. But of course, the Democrats played that card. And but listen, can I ask you one question about this? It goes back to states' rights. So why was it an issue? Any? Why would it be an issue anyway? Because one, Republicans fail to really explain what states' rights means. Republicans fail to explain our system of federalism and why states' rights are important and the difference between the federal government and the state governments. The, the second reason is whenever a Republican would be asked about the abortion issue, notice they had a very difficult time answering that question especially when it came to rape and incest. So that's like the Democrats like go to thing. Like you wouldn't even support abortion in, in cases of rape and incest and Republicans would be squishy. They didn't want to annoy the, the conservative base that's against abortion, but they didn't want to turn off moderates that may support abortion to a limited degree. Now, not for nothing. And, and if you're asked that question, you you open you just state for the point zero 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 one percent of cases right. that happens in. Yeah, we'll make an exception. Okay, we'll right. You, yeah. But now, now let's talk about the ninety eight percent. Correct. But they wouldn't do that. They they would sit there and they'd stammer and they started just say, yeah, we would find there's exceptions to the rule. And that would be an exception to the rule. And then turn the framework on them. Make Democrats defend ninth month abortions, partial mm -hmm. birth abortions, post birth abortions. Exactly. Make them put them on the defensive. Show how out of touch they are on the issue. But Republicans couldn't do that. And the number two issue in this election turned out to be abortion. That, yeah. to me, is insane yeah. for the fact that Republicans, first of all, most just in general, most people will never get an abortion in their lifetimes. Most women will never get an abortion in their lifetimes. Abortion is something that maybe one percent of Americans may face each year. OK, the reality is that everyone's affected by the economy. Everyone's affected by crime. Everyone's affected by open borders. Everyone's affected by a failed education system. And Republicans failed to show people that, hey, you may or may not get an abortion. And, and that's, you know, the states are going to be the ones to decide what the rules are in regards to abortions. In states like New York, abortion isn't going away anytime soon because it's codified. But guess what? If you can't feed your kids that you have now, if you can't put food on the table to feed yourself, if you can't pay your rent, you can't pay your mortgage. Well, 
What does abortion matter to you right now? Isn't paying your rent or mortgage much more important right now? And they fail. Isn't your life and your safety and your community much more important? And they fail to show that while abortion is important to some people, the reality is it's not going to affect the masses where the other issues I mentioned do affect the masses. There you go. Okay, that's issue number one. Issue number two, I brought on all kind of people before the election. Trump has been talking about it. All kind of people have been talking about it since 2020. Election integrity, election fraud. What are they going to do? This, that, and the other thing. How badly do you think that was an issue in what just went down, especially in states like Arizona and Georgia? I don't think it was an issue, actually. I look at it in 2022. I do not believe it was an issue. And the reason I say that is because of the results that, that I'm looking at the results, the totality across the country. So while Carrie Lake losing may be shocking to a lot of Republicans, Well, it it wasn't so shocking when you saw that, you know, Herschel Walker couldn't beat Warnock outright. When you saw Dr. Oz losing to Fetterman, when you saw um, the Bulldog losing to Hassan over in New Hampshire, it wasn't all that shocking, the results. She played the same card that Democrats have been able to play, and that's campaign as least as less as possible. and, And Don't do any debates and maybe just maybe you'll be able to coast to election victory. I think that, again, Republicans underestimate the Democrat get out the vote machine. And I haven't seen any evidence of fraud. And I'm talking about real fraud. There's some people that want to throw up screenshots and say, there's your fraud. No, I'm talking about actual hard evidence that can be confirmed that shows. Um, I just think that the Republicans failed miserably. And I listen, Carrie Lake was a phenomenal candidate. She should have won that race. I think out of all the candidates in 2022, she was probably the best performing candidate. But what Republicans are failing to realize, and it's something that we underestimated, was Democrat enthusiasm. We thought all the enthusiasm was on our side. And yes, enthusiasm was high on our side. But guess what? It was high on Democrat side, too. And that's why they were able to come out overwhelmingly in certain areas and they were able to pull off election victories. Well, I'll just say this, a little pushback here. It just seems very interesting that the only places that you're really concerned about election fraud, like in Michigan, like in Pennsylvania, like in uh, Georgia and Arizona, the only places it seems to rear its ugly head or the thought of it are in places which they have to possibly do something to win those elections. Well, to me, the way I look at it, and like I said, it doesn't mean that fraud didn't occur. I'm saying I haven't seen any evidence of fraud occurring in this election cycle. And you're right. It always comes down to the certain places, you know, the Maricopa counties of Arizona, the Clark counties of Nevada. It comes down to the same places where we see these. But again, that's a pox on our house, right? So if you're a Republican running in these areas, Assume you're five percentage points down and you've got to increase your turnout by 5%. Listen, we could say it's not fair, it's not right, we complain about it all we want, but like I said, you're not going to change the system in these places until you get into power. And you're not going to get into power until you win elections. So we can complain about it, but if we don't have concrete evidence showing criminal activity and actual fraud occurring, then what good is it? It's not going to help us. 
So instead, use the tools that Democrats created and use it against them. Not for nothing, but in 2016, that's what made Trump successful, right? Mm-hmm. That he took the Salolinsky tactics and used right. it against the Democrats. We have to do the same thing. If you want to win, that's how you're going to win. I agree with you on that. And this is what I was telling people months leading up to the election. And this is what has me politically ticked off. I could not believe that Obama won a second time. I thought after four years of Obama, that was it. Oh, I could. Look at Romney. He was a terrible candidate. I mean, what? In spite of Romney, they you want to talk me. about terrible candidates? Romney was a terrible candidate. I he, get he it. Horrendous. But the country was going mar- for. I'll say it again. The, I just thought after they saw this Marxist slide towards socialism, towards big government, single payer, everything this guy did, that it wouldn't. You could have run a stuffed animal, and he should have won. Now, as we go right now. I thought after two years of the pretender in the White House, and as you said, the gas, the economy, the open border, everything, the, 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 the shutdown, everything that's gone on, I expected this massive turnout. I agree with you. I so thought I. that the 5%, if they steal 5%, will overcome it by massive turnout because America, I thought, actually realize we are on the verge of losing this country and the freedom and liberty that we've had our entire lifetime. I thought there would be this groundswell of people that would finally, because you can't speak out because, you know, now they got the IRS weaponized and this, that and the other thing, and you can't trust anybody. And you don't even want to talk to a pollster because you don't know if he's going to turn you in and people are looking at your Facebook account trying to decide if they're going to fire you on the job or something, that people would say, okay, and just kept your mouth shut, just like you did with Trump the first time, and that we get this right at the polls. I am stunned that didn't happen. Well, I'm I'm not that stunned. I mean, again, I thought it was going to be a red wave. I thought we were going to, it was going to be huge. I, I called for 35 seats in the House. I said that we're probably going to take the Senate by three seats. Uh, I said the governor's race in New York was 50-50. That's how you hedge a bet in political science. Can't <laughs> lose when it's 50-50. But um, I'm looking at the turnout numbers. You're talking about 47% of Americans turned out to vote. 47% of voting age population actually turned out to vote in this election. It's actually less than in 2018. And it shows me that Republicans stayed home, independents stayed home, Democrats stayed home. And understand that 47% in a midterm election is still high. It's not like that. It's it's on the higher end. Uh, But the reality is that all those Republicans that like to complain about every little thing under the sun that constantly criticize this administration, how many of them stayed home and didn't vote? And so now they're culpable, right? I mean, we have ourselves to blame. Why isn't Republican turnout like 80 percent in an election style like this? I don't understand why. I can't understand it. I, I can tell it. you. I, well, I'm just saying I, I see everything that's collapsing in front of us. And so I'm going to make sure I get to the polls no matter what happens. I, I'm going to make sure I cast a ballot. Why is there, you know, I don't know what the final number is going to be for Republicans, but let's just say only 60 percent of voting age uh, Republicans actually turned out to vote. Well, what were the, those other 40% of people doing? 
And they, you know, they, it's pox, again, it's pox on our house. It's, we are the ones that are responsible for this loss. We, we can't blame the Democrats. We can't blame the media. We can't blame the Democrat organizations. We could only blame ourselves. This was a very winnable election. And yet there was how many hundreds of thousands, millions of Republicans that didn't go and vote? Well, I know the problem. I was getting ready to tell you. The problem is we can't clone you. That's the <laughs> problem. See, because if Americans were in your poli sci class at Suffolk County Community College, they would be voting. And uh, along those lines, on your recent appearance with Dr. Phil, you spoke about how the school system has collapsed, kindergarten through high school. Please explain how and why this has happened, because this is probably at the crux of the problem. I was really taken back by the drop in basic proficiency levels, even though we've been dropping standards along the way. The problem is, as you say, and you're going to get into, I'm sure, explain about the citizenship test you give the first day, that part of the problem is people don't really realize what the heck is going on. No, they have no idea. <laughs> a lot of people have no idea what's going on. But when we look at the education system, because this is a perfect example of why Republicans failed. Uh, for the last year, when Republicans are talking about education, they're going to bring up gender theory to kids, to children, and they're going to bring up critical race theory. So now I want people to think of that, right? If I'm a Republican, I'm going to say that, um, and, and it's not a conservative position, it's a normal human being position that we shouldn't sexualize children, that, that children shouldn't be getting beamed these messages. Children shouldn't be taught that gender is fluid and you could be whatever you want. Children shouldn't be taught they're racist. Now, as a conservative, we all believe this, but those aren't conservative principles. I would say 90% of the American people would agree on with me on that. But Republicans will sit there and they'll scream about gender theory and CRT. And then what do Democrats say? And what do the teachers union say? Well, they say, well, they're just trying to scare people. We're not really teaching this stuff in schools, even though they mm -hmm. are. They say they're not teaching that stuff in school. Who are Democrats going to listen to? Who are the Democrat voters going to listen to? They're not going to listen to the Republicans. They're going to listen to the Democrats that are telling them we're not teaching this in the school. Why haven't the Republicans three weeks before this election, the Department of Education came out and stated that for the first time in 30 years, proficiency levels, basic proficiency levels have been dropping. Now, the proficiency levels for the last 30 years were already abysmal. Right. And right. you're talking about if we look at American history, it's 13 percent. If we look at civics, it's about 23 to 25 percent. Math is about 24 percent. Science is about 23 percent. Reading, I think, is at like 32 percent. But it's abysmal across the board. But now they actually dropped. When we look at that, why didn't Republicans capitalize that on that and say, go into the inner cities and say, the proficiency, your children have gotten shortchanged in their education. They are not performing. They don't meet the basic proficiency level of the grade that they're in, and yet they continually get cycled through. The Democrats and the officials in these areas, they are directly responsible because right. they locked you down. They shut down these schools for two years. See, when Democrats say, well, we don't teach CRT and gender theory, Democrats will believe that other Democrat voters will believe that. But when you say Biden's own Department of Education has come out and said that the proficiency levels have dropped and our schools have failed, that's not disputable. You can't say that that's not happening because it's right there, clear, black and white. And you Democrats can't deny it. They could say, well, we were taking precautions. It was a pandemic. But that's nonsense, too, because I would just sit there and say, well, suburban communities went back to school. 
They may have been mm-hmm. messed up and it might have pissed a lot of parents off like me, but they did go back to school. So it was the inner cities that didn't go back to school. They're the ones that suffered the most. The academic achievement gap increased dramatically. And yet these are the same leaders that you're voting for that say they're fighting for you when they did more damage to your children than any other policy in this country. And then you're going to start to get Democrat parents to actually think about this. And it's going to fester in their minds. And they're going to start to get angry at Democrats. But answer me this. Name me one Republican candidate that went into an inner city three weeks ago after the Department of Education released these numbers. It was maybe a one-day conversation. Candidates put out a press release. Nobody harped on it. Had you done that, I guarantee you we would be having a much different conversation today. I, I understand what you're saying, and the the educational system has been in a downswing. I call it planned obsolescence. They know exactly what they're doing. They need to keep people from getting educated so they can get them on the government dime. And one of the things that really I love about you is that uh, the first day of class, the first day of class that you give a citizenship test, and you talked about it on Dr. Phil It seemed like it appears from what Dr. Phil said that he gave it to the audience and the audience, nobody got all six questions right. And 11 people did not even get one answer right. Okay, and this is scary. Now, tell them about your test, why you give it and what this says about our educational system in general, that the majority of your kids the first day of class have no clue on this well, test. The reason I started giving the test in my classes is because I saw that students were not coming in with the knowledge that they that was necessary to do college level political science work. I, I saw that something was broken. I saw that something was wrong. Listen, I wasn't the greatest high school student, but I still knew about my government. I still knew the history of my country. I mean, obviously I wasn't an expert, but I could answer basic questions. And that's what I do with the citizenship exam. So it's it, Dr. Phil only put up six questions. I give my students it's 10 questions and they're basic questions. Who is the Speaker of the House? And the reason I asked that one is to see if they're paying attention and actually know current events and who's in the leadership positions. I mean, the Speaker of the House is the second most powerful person in the United States behind the president. Can I say one thing? Hint, hint, people, the wicked witch of the West. (laughs) (laughs) But and, and most of the students don't even know who she is. Unless who is the father of our Constitution? I know the answer I'm going to get. Most people are going to say Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson wasn't even in the country. He had no role in in developing our Constitution. Got to be honest. I missed that one. (laughs) James Madison, that's the one I got. I got the other. I got them all right except that one. I will never get that one wrong again. Correct. And then, you know, just what are the powers of Congress? And I start, you know, who's responsible for what in our government is some of the other questions. That's what they pertain to. And the reason I ask those questions is because I find it amusing that everyone has an opinion on every single issue out there about what the government should be doing and what the government shouldn't be doing. My argument is that if you don't know the institutions, how they were set up, why they were set up the way they are, the roles and responsibilities within the institution from Congress to the executive branch to the judicial branch. How can you say our government should do anything? If you don't know the basic concepts of federalism, how can you say that abortion should be a federal issue or a state issue? You can't. So we have all these opinions. And yes, the majority of people fail. And it's not just my students. If I went out onto the middle of the street and started asking people these questions, the majority of Americans would fail. So 
yes, our education system is to blame to a certain degree because students that went through a 13-year system from kindergarten to 12th grade, they should be coming into my class being able to recite the Declaration of Independence and knowing pretty much uh, the most fundamentals of American government, and they're not. But at the same time, we have to blame ourselves too, right? How many of us live in this country and never thought to just start learning about it? Oh, maybe I wasn't taught about it in school all that well. I know very little about what Congress does or the presidency does or the system our founders created. Let me start just reading a book about it or going online and doing, you know, just the basics of research. So there's too many people in the United States that we want to dump it all in the education system. But at the same time, what's our responsibility, right? What's our obligation? We've been living in this country for most people their whole lives. And so don't you have an obligation to learn about your country, even if the school system's not teaching it? And the fact is that there's a lot of people out there that simply don't care to learn about it. This is true, unfortunately. But they and will when we are yeah, communist. Yeah, when we're communist. Well, here's and when we're speaking Chinese. But here's here's the here's the question. Should there be a simple, basic citizenship test that you have to pass in order to vote? Absolutely. Absolutely. Why is it? I would actually take it a step further than that. I would say that the federal government should contract me out and that before any member of Congress is sworn in, they have to pass my citizenship exam and my Russian constitutional exam. You know, they may do worse than your students or exactly. anybody's students. They and have no clue. And if you they fail have it, no clue, they think they, big government is part of the Constitution. It's limited. They, they have no clue. And if they fail it, they're not allowed to be seated. There you I mean, go. seriously, I mean, I, I, I'm with you. I'm just, with just you. think about it logically. Imagine that the people that we're putting in charge of this country. Now, I'm not going to say all of them. Some of them know exactly the Constitution. They are well read in the Constitution. They just don't care about it. Uh, but the reality is that it, it would be interesting to find out how many of them actually read and understand the Constitution that are the ones leading our government. And that's a scary thought because most of the people thought. that lead this yeah. government are mediocre at best. I hear you. And that ties into my last question. We've learned recently that the Republican establishment and the rhinos, Republican name only, aren't interested in retaining our form of government, government as it is. We can see where they're going. Big government, expanding government, and that the founding fathers, that's not what it was about. It's supposed to be about limited government. Do you think this is because they realize more power meaning also more money, comes with more government and they want the power or are they really socialists at heart? No, I think some of them it's about the power thing. Not even power necessarily, the status quo, right? How many uh, family members of Congress members have become mm -hmm. rich? Not just Democrats, but Republicans too. Like Hunter Biden isn't right. the only case that this right. has happened in. He's just the most uh, alarming because we have his laptop. But if you look at other members of Congress's children, People will know exactly what I'm talking about. So I think there's some that like the status quo. They like the power of the government. They they like the big government apparatus, including Republicans. And we see that time and time mm -hmm. again, right? Um, others are simply cowards, other Republicans. They, they, they don't want to speak out and speak up because they're afraid they're going to be attacked. They're afraid they're going to be marginalized. And many of them think that they're working with the Democrat Party, the 19... Uh, 80 Democrat Party with Tip O'Neill when that Democrat Party is long dead. This is not the JFK or Bill Clinton no. Democrat Party. This is a party that has become radicalized and they want to paint everything as right wing. No, 
It is the far left that has become radicalized. And what the establishment has done, and that's why they should be held accountable for this, they have allowed the center to move, right? So they Mm -hmm. allowed the far left took over the debate. They took over the narrative. And so the center of all the debates has also shifted to the left. Instead of Republicans standing on principle and and fighting for what they actually believe in, like limited government, that is essential. Just look at the finances, right? You know, I, I can no longer say that I used to be able to say, hey, Republicans that, you know, bring back fiscal responsibility. Let's get the debt under control or anything. Mm. Well, Republicans uh, have raised the debt just as much as Democrats. Much as Democrats right. And they've added to the spending just as much as Democrats have added to the spending. So they're all at fault. And it is almost like that uni party system with just some slight differences on the cultural war issues. I hear you. Professor Giordano, thank you for coming on. I really enjoy talking to you every time we get together. Please tell people how they can reach you and anything you'd like to promote. Sure. Anyone could go to PASReport.com. They can find me there. They can connect to my podcast. Uh, It's on all major podcast platforms. They could also go to CampusReform.org. I'm now a fellow with the Campus Reform Higher Education Institute. So they go to campusreform.org to see uh, my published pieces there as well. Or they can follow me on social media at PAS Report. There you have it. Thank you very much. Uh, Keep teaching those students because you never know who's going to be in your class. You may have the next president of the United States in your class. Well, it would be interesting. I wouldn't be surprised if it does happen because I do have a lot of bright students and we don't give them enough credit. Uh, for the student body today are are more open-minded than many of the adults I have to encounter. Well, that's good (laughs) because they're our future, but looking at a lot of these millennials, it's scary. Thank you for coming on. You know, you're always welcome as a guest on the show and keep on doing what you're doing and do not let them grind you down. (laughs) Thank you for having me, Gary. Always enjoy the conversation. Same here. Professor Nicholas Giordano, everybody, bringing mega doses of truth And we've got to get this educational system under control and we've got to rein in both parties and get ourselves turned back to one with the founding fathers envisioned for the constitution because people now it's either gonna be constitution or communism, choose. I wanna thank Professor Nicholas Giordano for raising the level of understanding on several issues that must be addressed and corrected if we're to continue as the constitutional republic our founding fathers established. We don't have much time, friends. We gotta get this done right here, right now. This podcast is available for download at radioinfluence.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts. Hope to subscribe to it, leave a rating and a review. And be sure to tell your friends about the show. Along those lines, get ready for an airwaves rock out. As next up is the return of that renowned politically direct dynamic duo, Diamond and Silk, available on November 22nd. That's all for now, Patriots. Thanks for joining us. So until the next time, this is your host, Gary Benford, saying God bless you. God bless your families. God bless America.